Saul's having some trouble. The Lord's taking his spirit away from him, and he starts having some bad twitches. There's some folks in here that kind of resemble that. They have bad moments. They get things out of hand. And sometimes there's somebody that can calm them down. Well, David was that kind of thing. He could play the harp and calm them down. He didn't get invited to the party until the very end. And it's at the end of that party when God says, that's the one, because I don't look at the outward appearance, tall and strong and mature and talented. No, no, no. He picked the youngest boy, eight of the eighth son, who was ruddy and handsome and a pretty respectful son and a responsible shepherd. And God chose him to be his king. And Saul needed somebody to help him. So David went to help. Now David's going to be the next king, and so Saul is in, going to end up being jealous of him. Saul is going to end up trying to kill him. Saul is a couple of times going to throw him a fit and have one of those episodes, and he's going to throw a spear at him, try and stick him to a wall. And David is going to be helpful. David's going to play his harp to calm him down. But there's more to that. He's going to do whatever Saul needs him to do. Because if you keep reading, if you keep reading, Saul is later going to ask him to do more than just play his harp. He's going to ask him to go to battle. He's going to ask him to fight. And David's going to help his master. He's going to help his king in whatever way he can. How about you? How about me? You want to be a man after God's own heart? Oh, I want to be. I want to be. Not anywhere close, but I want to be. That means be helpful to people. Help people. Yeah, but it's, they're not the kind of people I want to help. Sorry. If there's people that need help, that's how you, who you help, right? Be helpful to people. Even to the people that have not been kind to you. Saul tries to kill this old boy, and David still shows up to work. <laughs> I quit my job. Why? Because my boss is rude to me. That doesn't make a lot of sense. You quit your job because your boss was rude to you? How are you going to pay for your rent? How are you going to buy your groceries? Well, I'm going to find me a boss that's polite. Well, okay. <laughs> find you a boss that's polite. But you know what David would have done? David showed up at work even when the boss wasn't polite. Because it's about being helpful where you are in whatever way you can. Oh... Visitors won't know this about us, but guys, we've talked honest enough about it. The truth is, some of you have walked away from pretty good jobs. Some of you have not accepted responsibility at your job with that phrase, that's not my job. Man after God's own heart was a helpful servant. Well, if you turn to 17, you're going to find out that his dad sends him to take cheese to his brothers. I laugh every time I read this. 
because here is the youngest son left at home to take care of the sheep while the big brothers get it, go off to war. Now, war would be horrible, right? But if you're the little son left at home, if you're the baby boy left at home, if you're mama's boy got to stay with... Now, I've had big brothers, okay? I'm not making any of this up. You got big brothers? You know how they talk to you, right? Who's got a big brother? Now, what we ought to really ask is, who in here is a big brother? Yeah, yeah. John held up his hand like this. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know how big brothers are. I know how big brothers are. So these big brothers are just wearing old David out. He's got to stand here with his sheep, and he, they, we're going to war. We're going, and they're marching off to war, and David is keeping the sheep. And Dad calls David and said, Son, I got a job for you. I want you to go see your brothers. Yes, I'm ready. I've been practicing on fighting. I killed that bear. I killed that lion. I'm ready to go. Dad, send me in, coach. And he said, here's some cheese and bread. I want you to take it. He is the pizza delivery guy. Here, this guy that just got anointed king, this, here's this young man that's ready to fight bears and lions for his father. This boy that's been so good to his dad, this boy says, your dad says, you're going to deliver the pizza up to your brothers. So he gets up, remember the story? He gets up there, and old Goliath is stomping around, cursing God's people and cursing God, and everybody's shaking in their sandals. And David said, What's going on here? And they start telling me, this is big, bad Goliath, and he's going to eat us alive. And, and, and David says, what happens to the guy who kills him? Said, we get the, he gets the king's daughter. Oh, David, I'm in. I'm ready. I'm not, I'm not saying all of his motive was faithful, but he, there, was, he, there was a pretty girl involved, so he is fired up. He is ready to go. And he went and said, I'll take him on. And they laughed at him. Do you remember? Check the story out. Do your homework. They laughed at him. They said, you're just a kid. You're just a youth. His brothers mocked him. They said, you boy, shame on you for showing up here and acting like this. And the king said, it ain't going to happen. They tried on the armor. It couldn't work. The boy said, I don't need any of that. Just send me in. And they finally just turned this shepherd kid youngest son of Jesse, turned him loose. He walked down to the stream, picked up five smooth stones, slipped four in his pouch, one in his sling. And I did not write the story. You read it. He ran toward Goliath. And Goliath is laughing at him, remember, mocking him. Am I a dog? You're going to send me out here with somebody with a stick to spank me? He said, I'm fixing to feed your flesh to the birds. And this shepherd boy that didn't get invited to the party... This youngest baby son who didn't get included until the prophet just insisted. This harp playing baby boy stands before the biggest, baddest guy on the planet and says, You're standing there with a sword and a shield and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And the battle... Remember? You know this. The battle belongs to the Lord. Folks, that's being faithful. That's when you don't think about your power. You don't think about your status. And here's the one I'm needing to hear, so I'm going to say it. If it helps you, good, but it's meant to help me. 
If everybody thinks you should not be there, if everybody wants to leave you at home, if everybody wants to leave you with the sheep, if everybody wants you to stay over there with the pizza delivery guys, if everybody wants to leave you there, where do you stand? You stand wherever God gives you the right to stand, the opportunity to stand, and you stand knowing that the battle belongs to the Lord. Nobody else may believe in you. Listen to me. Nobody else may believe in you. Nobody else may want you. Nobody else may ever try to see your strength. But be a faithful soldier. You stand. You stand. And remember that the battle belongs to the Lord. We'll read the story. You, well, you've read it. He throws that stone, hits that giant, giant falls dead. He cuts off that guy's head and everybody just goes to screaming, David, David, he's our man. If he can't do it, nobody can. I think their version went with Saul has slain his thousands, David has slain his ten thousands. I kind of like the rhythm of mine better, but okay, all right? But they were cheering David. So this, for you churchgoers, this respectful son who was a watchful shepherd, who was a helpful servant, even now stands to be a faithful soldier. It's at the end of that chapter, not coincidence, that after David had shown that courage, after David had shown that kind of faith, that he and Jonathan, that's Saul's son, Jonathan and David get pretty tight. In fact, it says their hearts were knit together. That's chapter 18. And there begins a friendship that's worth modeling in all friendships. You ought to read. If you're interested in learning about being a friend, if you're interested in being a thoughtful friend, watch David and Jonathan. Watch how they care for each other. Jonathan, is going, Jonathan would one day be king, except God has chosen David to be king. So David is really his rival, but he doesn't treat him that way. He treats him as his brother. They protect each other. They love each other. They rely on each other. They help each other. And one day when Jonathan dies way too young and leaves behind a family and one son, Mephibosheth, who couldn't take care of himself because he was lame, David who could have resented the father who was jealous of him, who could have resented the competition from that son, Jonathan. He didn't. He remembered his friendship. And he took that boy to take care of him. Hmm. You going to be a man after God's own heart? What kind of friend are you? You a friend just when people do what you think friends ought to do? I'm amazed at sometimes how people deal with their friendships. You're a friend, I'm your friend as long as I do what you think I ought to do. You're my friend if you agree with me. We do it, don't we? You ever had a friend that disappointed you? Ever had a friend that upset you? Had I ever had a friend that betrayed you? Ever had a, ever had a friend that tried to hurt you? And what'd you do? David does not hold any of that against Jonathan. He holds on to that friendship and he remembers that friendship. I told you before, one of the 
impossible to say benefit, but that's the only word I can come up with. One of the benefit of really re- making a wreck of your life, just really wrecking your life. It becomes real clear real quick who the people are that are friends to you, real friends. <coughs> a bunch of folks that you loved, a fo- bunch of folks that you thought loved you will make it clear real quick they've got no use for you. You accept that, understand that. Don't hold it against them because it was your fault. It was my fault, so I'm not going to blame them. But I promised myself when all this mess happened that anybody that was kind, anybody that was forgiving, anybody that would treat me like I thought God would treat me, uh, I would never forget. I remember what Dennis and Teresa did for me, some dark, dark days. I will never forget it. I remember what Bob Rennie did for me, some dark, dark days. I will never forget it. I remember what Kelly did for me, some dark, dark days. I will not forget it. I remember, I remember what Chad and Derek did for me, some dark, dark days. I will never forget it. I remember you for what you did during a hard and shameful time. I will never forget it. I want to be a man after God's own heart. And I want to be that kind of friend where I'll be a friend not just to you, but I'll be a friend to your children because of your friendship to me. When that friend that was a helpful servant, that was a thoughtful friend, becomes a successful commander of the troops. You stay in chapter 18, that's how the chapter ends. David is, he goes places Saul wants him to go, doing things that Saul wants him to do. And Saul would like to see him get killed. And David just keeps going out and God gives him success. He does not let somebody else's feelings about him determine what his obedience is going to be to God. That is so important. Guys, we talked about it. We talk about it in here all the time. There are going to be, and I, it'll probably be me, but there are people in this room that are going to hurt your feelings. There are people in this room that are going to neglect you. There are people in this room that are going to disappoint you. There are people in this room that are going to do things to you that are going to cause you to think, I'm done with that place. Okay, you got to be done with this place. I understand. But don't be done with Jesus because he never did that, right? Well, David didn't do that. If he's going to serve the Lord, even if that king is a jerk, even if he, he tries to hurt him, even if he tries to betray him, even if he sets him up and tries to get him killed, he is going to still serve the Lord. That leads to the next point. If you start in chapter 19, you've got to read all the way through to 27. Those eight or nine chapters in there, David is running for his life. David is running for his life because people are against him. The leader is against him. Saul wants him dead and he's gathered his army and he's going to chase David all over the place trying to kill him. Um, You need to know this. This wasn't theory. And even though David had been selected as king, he doesn't live thinking, oh, it doesn't matter because I know God's going to take care of me. No, he's fearful. He is scared to death, running for his life. Read Psalms 18 and talk. Listen to him screaming at God. God, why? Hold it! 
I, I'm being surrounded. I'm being drowned. I'm being, I'm being buried with this fear. Come on, God, do something. And of course, God does something. Sometimes things are hurtful because you did them. Don't blame anybody else. You did them. But there are times when it's not any of your fault. It's what somebody else did. Um, anybody in this room know anything about somebody betraying you and you didn't betray them? You know anything about being hurt by somebody even though you didn't hurt them? You know anything about you've done everything you could and helped as much as you could and loved as much as you could and blessed as much as you could and somebody still hurts you? That ever happened? That's what happened to David. You know what David does? He runs for his life. My, my memory point is he was a fearful fugitive. He's running for his life. Folks, it's serious. He thinks he's going to die a couple of times. But in that, I want you to learn something about God. This man, after God's own heart, has a chance twice. Two different times he has a chance to kill his enemy. He has a chance to kill Saul. And once he kills Saul, he becomes king. And he spares Saul both times. Oh, I hear it said in, in jail all the time. I'll show you respect when you show me respect. And I look at those guys and I shake my head and I said, you, it's got, you got that backwards. Because if the, you only treat the people with respect that treat you with respect, who's in control of you? They are. Now, guys, I love you, but there's people in this room. We got an issue with this. I'm, well, I'm not going to hurt them, but I wasn't going to hurt them, but they hurt me. So now that they've hurt me, finish the sentence. If somebody hurts you, you have the right to hurt them. I mean, I've heard us say it. I've heard people in this room confess it. Well, I wasn't going to do anything, but they did this to me. You used to hear it in big church this way. Well, if they're not going to talk to me, I'm not going to talk to them. I, that's real mature. That's mature. That's not mature. That's childish. And this man, who is a man after God's own heart, even when he was running for his life, remembered to be merciful. Remembered to act like God even when somebody else didn't treat him like God would. Does that make sense? Do you hear that? You act like God even when nobody else does. Yeah, but it's not fair. I didn't say it's fair. Yeah, but that's not right. I'm sure there ain't nothing right about it, but it's the right way to act. Yeah, but who's going to know? I got no clue, but I bet God's watching. So just do what God wants you to do, whether anybody else does it or not. Make sense? If you keep reading... If you finish up reading through 27 and you finally slide over to 2 Samuel, you find out that this David, who was running for his life as a fugitive, finally becomes king. His enemy Saul dies, kills himself, and Jonathan, his best friend, that he loved was dearer than the love of a woman. That's how close they were. That friendship, he lost that friend, and he became a king. Finally became what God promised him. Uh, 
I don't know what the equivalent is for us, but you want to be a mother, now you're a mother. You want to be a father, now you're a father. You want to be a husband, you became a husband. You want to be a wife, you became a wife. You want to be an employee, you became an employee. You want to be a boss, you became the boss. Whatever it was, whatever opportunity, whatever responsibility God put it, do it the way David did it. Pursue God's will. Uh, in fact, the word is, he, he talks about David being a powerful king. He was powerful. And he was powerful because he did what God wanted him to do. In fact, David, God will say, he's a man after my, God's own heart. He's a man after my own heart because he will do whatever I command him. You want to be powerful in your job? Don't keep your eyes on the boss. Keep your eyes on God. You want to be a powerful husband? Don't keep your eyes on your wife. Keep your eyes on God. You want to be a powerful wife? Keep your eyes on God. You want to be a powerful parent? Keep your eyes on... Don't... I saw it the other day. In this room I saw it. A parent afraid of her children. Not wanting to upset her children. Uh, our Bible teaches, right? Older women are supposed to teach the younger women. My mother's not here. She's been gone five years now. But I can still remember some advice she gave to my wife when we were raising our little ones. If they're mad at you, you are doing a good job. God did not intend mamas for you to be their best friends. And daddies, those of you, I love you, but those of you who think that mama's the one that's going to be the disciplinarian, I'm just going to be the good old boy, no, 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 no. you got too many examples in the Bible of that kind of mess, right? It's a partnership, right? Point is, you become powerful by doing things together. You do things the way God intended them to do. That's how David became a powerful king. And he took the will of God and the wisdom of God and he went to apply it against the Philistines, against the Ammonites, the Amalekites, the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and all them otherites. God made him powerful because he would do all that he commanded to do. You want to be a powerful wife? You want to be a powerful husband? You want to be a powerful parent? You want to be a powerful teacher? You do what God commands you to do. And if you just keep reading, you'll find out that this powerful king had horrible and shameful moments in his life. We won't restudy it because we've studied it and we've experienced it and we'll study it again. But in 2 Samuel 12, this powerful king that loved God, that sang beautiful songs, that honored God in, with his lips and in his life, instead of going to war, he stayed home and took a walk. Saw a woman bathing, and instead of turning his eyes away, he called for her to come to him. He sinned. And that wasn't bad enough. He lied to cover the sin. Invited the husband to come home. Tried twice to deceive him, to trick him, get him drunk, and get him to go home to cover his own sin. Guys, when you sin, you know it's true. When you sin, especially when you sin, such a shameful thing.
you want to cover it. David finally had that old boy killed. But God wouldn't allow him to cover it. And listen to me, God wouldn't allow him to cover it. So when the prophet came to him and said, David, you're the man. David's word was, I have sinned. This powerful king became a shameful sinner. But do you remember the next phrase? Do you remember the next phrase from the prophet of God? The moment he admitted his sin. What's the next phrase? Did anybody remember? The Lord has taken away your sin. That's why David will later write a song, <laughs> write a song, created me a pure heart, O God. And he will pray that God will not remember the sins of his youth against him. And he will celebrate that God removed his sin as far as the east is from the west. So not only was he shameful and ashamed of his sin, he was grateful. Grateful for the mercy. What did David want to do? Anybody that's ever sinned in a public way. Anybody that's ever sinned in a public way and embarrassed your family and made yourself ashamed, so ashamed you can't look at people in the eye. What did David want to do? And God said, you're going to stay my king. You're going to continue to serve me in spite of how you feel. And that shameful, grateful sinner had to watch four of his sons die. Matthew, he watched three of them die. The fourth one died after he was gone. But a baby, the baby that was conceived at the moment of the adultery, that baby died. A consequence of the sin. And then a son named Ammon died at the hand of a brother. And then Absalom died, a son that David cherished. But he died not before he had a chance to betray his father and to bring more shame and more fear on his father's life. And then finally a son named Adonijah died. Living with the consequences of your sin are a part of the reality of this place, right? Catherine talked about it. There's lots of us in this room that know about that. We've been forgiven and we are free from the sin as far as God is concerned. He's moved it from the east as from our, his west. But are there others that remember? And who remembers most? Me. We'll read David's song in 51, Psalms 51, where he'll beg God to renew that right spirit in him. But as he watched those sons die, he did not give up on God. Because he was an insightful father, wasn't he? He understood what God had to do, God was doing, and he, he understood it. He accepted the will of God. He followed through. He kept doing what God wanted him to do, even though it felt horrible to live his life. You can't, 
You can't lose your children. You can't lose your children and feel good about it, especially if you think it's your fault. And that's true. Physical death, spiritual death, are just the division in a family. When you've caused it, it's miserable. But in the end, a baby's born, they named him, they called him Jedediah at first, and then changed his name to Solomon. And Solomon is going to become king, and David is going to sit down with him and tell him, Son, one thing you need to remember. Do all that the Lord commands you to do. He didn't turn from that. I wish I could live my life different. I can't. I didn't, so it's done. But can I make sure my son, my sons, my grandsons, my great-grandchildren, can I, can I make sure they know to do all that the Lord commands you to do? Yeah. You want to be a man after God's own heart? You don't let your failures keep you from helping your children live a better life. Make better choices. Do better things. You know what God does with him? Before he dies, guess what God does with him? Tells him a secret. Tells him a secret that not many people knew. Now we knew a bunch about it because we read the end of the story. But you know what? He was told a secret by God that somebody out of your body, a child out of your own body, is going to one day sit on my throne forever. And if you read your Bible, you thought, might think it's Solomon, but it wasn't. You might think it was Solomon's son, Rehoboam. It wasn't. You might think if you just kept reading, you might be a king named Josiah. It wasn't. In fact, it wasn't until a baby boy was born in Bethlehem. Hundreds of years later, a boy born in Bethlehem to a virgin mama named Mary that the angels finally said, Today, born in the city of David, in the city of David, is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And what will He bring? Good news of great joy. I want to quit. I'm tired of messing up. But you know what I want more than quitting? You know what I want more than the ease of being somewhere where nobody knows me and nobody can remember what I did and nobody reminds you? You know where, what I want? You know what I want? I want it. I'm not asking you to want it. I'm just saying I want it. I want to be a man after God's own heart. You pray for me? Pray that prayer. You going to spend time with me? Help me be that kind of man. I want to be a man after God's own heart and let God determine what He'll do with me, with my life, with my weaknesses, with my failures, with my strengths, with my success. Whatever He wants to do, wherever He wants to do it, however He wants to do it. Would you like to start over with me?
would you like to start over with me? Then let's start over today. You remember Jesus. Let's start over today. Let's let his bread, this body of his, remind us of the devotion he had to the will of God. Let's let this blood of Jesus remind us of the forgiveness we have for all shame and sin. And let's determine again today. Today we start over. Today we start over to become men and women after God's own heart.